We all ask questions. Are eyebrows considered facial hair? If a number two pencil is so popular, why is it still number two? When cheese gets its picture taken, what does it say? I've always wondered, do vegetarians eat animal crackers? But some questions are more meaningful than others. The Bible seems confusing at times. How can I understand the Bible? Are we living in the end time? And if so, what does that mean to me? I've always wondered what people mean when they talk about spiritual warfare. How do I handle difficult people? Because I know some difficult people. So we turn to the one who has all the answers. We'll examine some of our biggest questions and discover God's best plan. Why? Because you asked for it. We are doing the uh, last installment of the You Ask For It series. And I don't know, somebody that was really spiritual asked for, what about spiritual warfare? And Pastor Brandon was telling me about the series, and he said, here's what people are asking for, and, and I want to get you, you know, plugged into that series and let you speak. And so he's going through the topics. I'm like, oh, I could do that one. Oh, man, I could do, I would kill that one. Are you kidding me? How to deal with difficult people? I could do that all day. Are you kidding me? And he says, do you want to do what about spiritual warfare? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't be nervous. But it is kind of a topic that you're kind of like, well, you know, it's, but the Bible is full of this, the, the, the whole Bible. I mean, that's what the, the fall of mankind and the redemption of mankind and that struggle that we deal with. And there is a, a spiritual warfare that takes place. Amen. But there is some things in life that kind of feel like spiritual warfare that aren't necessarily spiritual warfare. I got a few examples for you here this morning. You know, Darth Vader versus Leonardo the Ninja Turtle is not necessarily spiritual warfare. Oh, now if you're a parent here this morning, that really, that might be spiritual warfare. You know what I'm talking about? When your kid is just totally losing their mind, I mean, so that one might be taken off the list. What else we got? Oh, we got an apple versus a donut. Now, that's a tough one. That, that is a struggle now. That is a real struggle. Donut always wins, by the way. Oh. Now, let me tell you something, Tennessee fans. I had this idea before that game yesterday. And I know that probably felt like spiritual warfare, and the devil pulled it out at the last moment. But our God is victorious, okay? So there's a second chance. You have a second chance. But... But there is this, this battle that, that takes place, and, and there is uh, something in all of us uh, when we are born of, of just, you know, good versus evil. And, and when my children, they always want to play lightsabers, they want to play swords. I have a, a four-year-old boy and a two-year-old boy, and if you go to my house, it looks like Party City exploded because there's a mask for everything. We got Darth Vader. We got the Ninja Turtles. We got Spider-Man. Whatever you want, we've got it. And they always want to know who's the bad guy. And it's always got to be me. What do I got to be the bad guy? So that they can beat me up. But we do the very first uh, step in spiritual warfare is we have to understand and we have to know that there is a bad guy. There is an enemy that is after our soul. And so we have to identify that there is an enemy. 
In the, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says it like this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, a final word. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We can be dismissed now. What about spiritual warfare? Okay, here's the answer. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So it's his strength, not our strength. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Another translation says that we will stand firm against the tricks. He is tricky. He is strategizing. He's at his whiteboard and he is, he is putting up X and O's and he's trying to see how can he trip you up. He's scheming and, and, and strategizing to trip us up. So we can't allow the enemy to out-scheme us. If he is going to be working hard to try to trip us up, then we also should be working hard to keep it from happening. And it continues to say, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Now, how many know, for, for me, I feel like it would be a little bit easier if we were fighting against actual flesh and blood enemies because we can actually, you know, see the person and, well, you know, he's got a black eye today, so I must have done pretty good, and he's kind of struggling, you know. But, but we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, against authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So there's this heavenly realm where spiritual battle is taking place. That not everything in life is just coincidence. C.S. Lewis, he said it like this regarding spiritual warfare. And I love this. He said, the problem is people either overestimate or underestimate spiritual warfare. Where everything is the devil... Or nothing is the devil. Now, we all know somebody in this place, maybe not in this place, but in our life, where everything is the devil. I got a flat tire this morning. Man, that devil is after my tires. I, I, I woke up late, and, and that devil, he got in my alarm clock, and he made me late for work. And, and you know, I want to go to Chick-fil-A, but it's Sunday, and the devil is at Chick, you know, after me. And, I, the, you know, the devil, the devil, the devil. And in reality, not everything is the devil. You know, you got a flat tire because you were supposed to do an alignment 15 years ago, and your tire has finally blown out. You know, you, you woke up late because you've got a slow jam as your alarm clock. And that's just too, it sounds too nice. It's not going to wake you up. And so not everything is the devil. But the opposite of that person is, you know, nothing is spiritual. Everything's coincidence. The, the cynic, you know, oh, that was just coincidence. And not everything is coincidence. And C.S. Lewis, he finishes his quote. He says it like this. He said, funny... How the devil likes it when we overbelieve or underbelieve as long as we don't Bible believe. And so today I hope that I can equip you to give some biblical principles and application for your life so that we can Bible believe about this idea of spiritual warfare. Because the Bible does tell us that there is a battle raging for your soul. 
Jesus said it like this. He said, the enemy has come to kill, to steal, and destroy, but I have come to bring life and that you might have it more abundantly. So you say, what about this thing called spiritual warfare? It's the enemy that wants to destroy your soul and Jesus who wants to redeem your soul. It's the enemy who wants to harm you and it's Jesus who wants to bring you life. It's the enemy who wants to attack and it's Jesus who wants to heal And so there is this battle, and we have this enemy, and the the Bible calls them different things, Satan, the devil, Lucifer, Beelzebub, whatever you want to call him, but he's real, it's it's not a metaphor, it's not like a cosmic force in in the world, he's not, you know, bright red with horns and a a pitchfork and a a tail, like, that's not what, what he looks like, but... But the Bible says that he was an angel in heaven, Lucifer, this angel, and he got puffed up with pride, and many say he was a, a, uh, a musician, led the, the, the uh, heaven's choirs, and, and he said, you know what? Why are we sitting around worshiping God? How about I be like God? How about they worship me? I mean, look at me, I'm pretty awesome. And so he, he gets puffed up with pride and God casts him out of heaven along with one third of the angels. And, and this isn't in your notes, so if you're taking notes and you want to do a little homework afterwards. In the Old Testament, we see this narrative in Isaiah 14 and in Ezekiel 28. We see this, uh, this narrative of what took place. But Jesus said it like this in the New Testament. He said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Now this is good news. Because when God decided to fight, we think it's some epic battle and struggle and you know lightsabers and you know Darth Vader and no. God said, "Boom, you're fired. See you later." Like lightning. Like lightning that's how fast the fight was. See you later. Bell is rung, it's over, you've been knocked out, he, it, it's over with. He, it, Jesus said, I saw him fall as lightning from heaven. But now he's in this earth, and, and the Bible tells us that he is the, the prince of this world, that he has given, he has a, a dominion here in earth, so we must be alert. First Peter 5 says it like this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. And so I want to give you some principles this morning, how to stand and remain strong. How do we, how do we follow this? How do we stand and remain strong? And the first one I want want to give you this morning number one is resolve unrepentant sin resolve unrepentant sin Martin Luther said it like this he said the life of a Christian is a life of repentance Ephesians 4 says this in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold 
And we can apply this verse in many areas of our life. And, and if you've ever counseled with a pastor for marriage or marital counseling, that, premarital counseling, that's the verse, uh, the, that's the greatest verse of all time. Well, here's my answer to you. Don't go to bed angry at one another. But here's the big thing. Don't let sin sit in your life and go unresolved. Don't, don't just go to bed that night and say, well... You know, I, I know that I, I, I did this and I know that I did that, but I'll take care of it later. And if you let that sin go unresolved, you are now giving the devil home field advantage. It's like, it's like we'll, we'll blame that loss for, of the voles because they were playing in the swamp. It was home field advantage. That's what we'll blame it on. But when you let sin go unresolved in your life, you are giving him a, an advantage. It said, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give a place. Another version says, don't give place for the devil. Don't, don't give him a, a setting at the table. And that's what happens when, when we have sin in our life. Because every single day, we have to say, God, search my heart. If there's any sin of, of omission or any sin of commission, see, there's, there's sins that we do. We, can, we all know the sins that we do. Everybody knows that. We can get in the Bible and list them out. And, you know, I, I lied today and I did this today and I did that. And, you know, I, I cussed a little when that guy turned cut me off and and I did that so we can repent of those sins but then there's the sins of of omission and the Bible says that he that knows to do good and doesn't do it to him that is sin so we just got to say God search everything Lord cleanse me why so that we can we can let his mercy and his grace just wash over us every single day because here's the good news this is the wonderful news and this is what the devil doesn't want you to know this morning is that we have an advocate with the father through Jesus Christ that because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross sin doesn't have dominion with us we have an advocate so we can go to Jesus and we can get forgiveness of sins this is what the Bible says this might be one of my favorite verses in all the Bible first John 2 he says my dear children I write this to you so that you will not sin and you read that and you say "Uh uh-oh eek but he says, but if anybody does sin, and all of a sudden you're happy again. All right, good. I'm, I'm in it now. I'm back in it. If anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. That you have an advocate with the Father. Hey, so, so when, when the devil's attacking, and when he's setting traps and temptation, you're like, oh man, I fell in that trap. I fell into that temptation. Guess what? That's okay. You have an advocate with the Father through Jesus Christ and you can go to Him and you can get forgiveness of sin but it's up to you to enact that. You've got to repent and you've got to allow those things in your life not to go unresolved. When you have an issue with a brother or a sister or a family member or um, someone within the church or whatever it may be, you got you got to get that thing taken care of. Don't let that thing fester. Don't let that thing grow into something because the enemy will take that and he will use it against you. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't let the devil have a place at the table by letting sin go unrepentant. You have this weapon called repentance. 
The enemy thinks that he had a trick that worked on you. He thinks he set a trap that worked on you. And then you go to repentance. He's like, oh, man, he used the repentance card. There's nothing I can do about the repentance card because now the blood of Jesus is, is covering that sin. What am I going to do now? I can set another trap. And he said, well, I'm just going to go back to repentance. Now, we don't, we don't use that, you know, a, a, as a way to, 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 to live lasciviousness or whatever it is. But, but we have this weapon. Number two. Call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. See, words have meaning, but names have power. Words have meaning, but names have power. When I was younger, and I was sitting in my room, playing video games, playing Madden 98. That's right, come on. I was playing the Colts versus the Patriots, and I was winning, and it was the only time the Colts was beating the Patriots. And then if I wanted to feel real good, I'd play the Titans because the Colts always beat the Titans. But my sister would come, and she would say, Derek, it, it's time for dinner. I'd say, get out of here. I'm playing Madden 98. I'm not hungry anyways. Get out. Go on. And then she'd come back. She'd say, Dad said, it's time for dinner. And you better, be, you better know that I jumped up and I turned off Madden and I went to the dinner table. Why? Because words have meaning. The words my sister was telling me had no meaning until she said, Dad said it. Because the name brought authority. And when we call on the name of Jesus, when we have things coming against us, guess what you're doing? You're calling on the name that is above every name, the name that has authority. It has, Philippians says, wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess and things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth it is the name that is above every name the enemy tries to come and attack and destroy but you have a name that you can call on in Acts chapter 3 the Bible tells us of a man that's crippled he's crippled from, from birth and he's sitting in front of the temple, which would be like the modern day church, he's sitting there and his biggest concern that day is money. He's just begging for money. He thought if he could just get a little money that day that it would be a good day. And see, one of the tricks of the enemy is to get us to focus on things that are temporal in exchange for what's really important. If he can get us to focus on just temporary things, if you can get us to focus on things that just really don't matter. In the Old Testament, we have that story of, of Jacob and Esau. And Esau's a, uh, an outdoorsman. And he's, he, he hunts and he, he fishes. And he's a man's man. And, and I just picture him, you know, with the big old grizzly beard and, and manly man. He's tromping around. His brother Jacob, he's, a, he's more of a, he, you know, he works the field. And, and, and he, you know, he, he, he likes to, to, to cook the, the meals. And, and so Esau comes in and... And Jacob's making some soup, and he says, man, I, give me some soup. I'm, I'm starving. He must have not got anything that day out in the field. And he says, I'm, I'm starving. I need something. And Jacob says, well, I'll give you some soup to ease those hunger pains, but you're going to have to give me your inheritance. And Esau says, man, what, what is the matter if, if, if I, if I what, what, what's good is my inheritance if I die? And so give me some soup. I'm hungry. And he exchanged his inheritance for temporary hunger pains. 
And we never should make a long-term decision off of a temporary pain. And so the lame man's sitting there, and his paralysis was no fault of his own. The Bible says that he was paralyzed from birth. And for some of us here today, you've been hurt, and you've got pain, and you've got scars, you've got wounds, and it was no fault of your own. It was, it was, a, it was a, a, a hurt that, that came from somebody maybe that should have never hurt you. But if you aren't careful, what will happen is the enemy will come. And he will try to get you to focus on just surface level things instead of those deep wounds. So for the lame man, he was just trying to get money. I, that, that's all I'm focused on. I just need to get some money. And, 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 and rightfully so. But, but when he's sitting there by the temple, it says in Acts 3 that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up and asked As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Can I tell you this morning that there is a name that is above every name? That if you've come here this morning and you need healing, Jesus can heal you. If you need salvation, He can save you. Whatever you need in this place, you call on the name of Jesus. When you're going through the battle and when it seems like the enemy is advancing and he's attacking you and your family, let me tell you, you can call on the name that is above every name. You can call on the name of Jesus. You can call on the name of Jesus. My mother was one to always call on the name of Jesus. My mom called on the name of Jesus when I I, I felt like it wasn't even necessary. She would call in the name of Jesus so loud. I, we thought that it was the end of the world. And I would come downstairs and there was a spider in the kitchen. And I said, Mom, I thought somebody was dying. And we would be pulling up. She, we, every time that the, the light turned red too soon, she'd slam on the brakes and she'd call on the name of Jesus. She'd do that number right there as if her, her arm was going to stop me from going through the windshield. And, and it, was a, it, it wasn't just a regular Jesus. Now, she wasn't taking his name in vain. She, but she instilled something in me when Something takes place that is coming against you. You call on that name. You call on that name. Number three, tell your testimony. Revelation 12 tells us that the devil is the accuser of the church. He's the accuser of you and me. That's all he has is accusation. That's one of his tricks. That's one of his schemes. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You, you're, you, you're, you're, you're too bad. You, you, you know, he m- reminds you of your past and your failures and your past sins. And he's going to come at you, tell you you're not significant. You can't do it. The battle is right here in our minds. That's what the Bible says, that we have to have the renewing of our minds. We must renew our minds through the word of God and let, us, uh, uh, let the word of God speak to us. So Revelation 12 says that they overcame him, the devil, By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. 
When the devil brings accusations, you can come back at him with your testimony. You have a powerful weapon in your testimony where God has brought you from, what God has brought you through. We sung the song, if he, if he moved the mountain one time, he can do it again. He's done it one time, he can do it again. He's healed my body before, he can do it again. I've seen him save people that everybody else written off, and he can do it again. That you tell your testimony. Don't let him bring past condemnation onto you. Don't let him try to come against you because you have a testimony. But your testimony is not only important for spiritual warfare. Your testimony is important for the people that are sitting around you right now. And that's why small groups are so important. Because you get in a small group and it's more, it's more than just you know riding motorcycles and, 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 and whatever going to the worship small group. It's more than that. It's sharpening one another. So when somebody's going through it and somebody's having an issue, there's a person next to you that says, you know what? A few years ago, I was going through the same thing and the Lord got me through. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Let your past be a testimony to tell of the great redemption power of our God. And number four, get engaged in the fight. In 1 Samuel, we see the army of Israel cowering in fear. Goliath has been standing on the battlefield and, and he had been challenging the, the men of Israel to come and to fight him. It says in 1 Samuel 17, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield barrel ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. He says, am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick, and he cursed David by the names of his God. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yells. See, the, the enemy always wants to attack you at the point of your insecurities. You're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, you fell too far. He wants to compare your carnal weapons with his carnal weapons. But guess what? When you compare earthly weapons with the devil, he always looks superior. Because that's his world. Goliath had a, a, a shield and a helmet and a huge spear. And it said that the, the, the tip of the spear weighed 15 pounds. He had all of this stuff and David had a stick and a slingshot. In comparison, David had no chance. Zero. None. It's estimated that the Goliath was nine feet tall. The, the average uh, Israelite was probably around my height. And you can tell that I'm not that big of a forbidding person. I wish I was as tall as I am standing on this platform when I'm standing on the floor. But I'm not. So David had no shot. Zero. But David understood something. Look at his reply. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. You come to me with the things of this world. You come to me with the, the things that, 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 that are insignificant. But you know what? I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. See, we are not in this fight alone. We aren't matching up with him one-on-one. -on -one. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The reason why David was such a great man of God was because he didn't rely on his strength or speak on his own behalf, but he relied on God's strength and
and spoke on behalf of God. He said, I'm not coming to you with your weapons. I'm not coming to you with the things that you're fighting with. I'm coming to you in the name of my God and the Lord of heaven's armies. I'm coming against you with the power of the Lord God Almighty so we can stand strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Because it's His strength. Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again. And the the blood that He shed on that cross covers our sin. And He was buried. But He rose again victorious. He didn't stay in the grave. And He has poured out His Spirit upon us to empower us. And so when the enemy comes against you, you know what the Bible says? It says, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And so when the enemy is coming with accusations and it looks like Goliath is standing there on the battlefield and saying, I'm going to feed your flesh to the the birds and you're going to be destroyed and you can't make it you can say you know what it's not about me anyway it's all about him and I've been empowered by his spirit and guess what the spirit of God is in this place this morning and if you're here and you're going through something and I know I made a light of of some things at the beginning but I know that this is real and I know people are going through some real stuff but you have weapons this morning don't let, don't let sin go unrepentant. If, if there's some things in your life this morning that you need to take care of, lay that stuff down this morning. Let Jesus forgive you of your sins once again. If you're in this place and, and, and there's just some attacks going, you know, you call on the name of Jesus this morning. In Psalm chapter 3, and I, I'm, 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 I'm done, I'm closing up, I'm, I'm, I'm already over. David writes this psalm when, when his son Absalom has, has taken over the throne. His, his own son has taken over his throne. And, and, and Absalom's men are, are now chasing David, trying to, trying to kill him, his own, his own son. Could you imagine the, the war that's going on in David's heart and life? I mean, the hurt and the pain For me, I felt like I would just be in despair. But you know what David does? He goes to worship and he goes to prayer. Just like he does so many times throughout the Psalms. It says, Lord, how they have increased that trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid down and slept and I awoke for the Lord to sustain me. In the middle of the battle, David was able to sleep. He had peace because he knew that the Lord would sustain him. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is on your people. God is fighting for you in this thing called spiritual warfare. It's not our strength. If you're here this morning and... and, and Maybe you, you've never submitted your life to the Lord. Maybe you've never taken that step and you say, God, 
I know that preacher said a lot this morning, but there was just one thing that struck my heart. And Lord, I, I, I'm just going to give everything to you right now. I'm going to give you every, everything that I am right now. Maybe if we could all just bow our heads. and If that's you this morning, if you maybe just need to take care of some things in your life, some, some unrepentant sin, you want to resolve that this morning, allow Jesus to forgive you. If, you're, if that's you, why don't you, why don't you just slip up your, your hand this morning and say, you know, I'm, I'm making that decision right now. I'm making that step. I'm, I'm going to allow the Lord to, to touch my heart this morning. Maybe you're, you're here and, and you say, you know what, I, I just need some, some prayer. And, and, and we have prayer partners at the end of every service that, that people can pray with you. And they come up to the front. And, and if you want to come and have some prayer this morning, allow somebody to pray with you. We'll, we'll, we'll take that time right now. And, and you can come up to the front and, and, and we can pray for you this morning. Because there's power in there when, when we begin to pray with one another. And there's power in the name of Jesus. So as they begin to sing this morning, if we could all just stand together and if our our prayer partners can come up front here why don't you just take a step of faith this morning and and ask God to to work a miracle in your life because he's able to do it he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think Lord have your way in this place this morning